Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald. And John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! And a good Tuesday morning, Birds fans. Thanks for streaming in early with us here on Birds 365. You got Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald here with you. Um, it's kind of a put the kibosh on Tuesday. Um, apparently, I put the kibosh on the Eagles back in August when I bet them to be in the Super Bowl against three different AFC teams. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. You did. It's your yeah, fault. Jerry. It's my fault. None of which were the Kansas City Chiefs, by the way, on the AFC side and solely the Eagles on the NFC side. And uh, apparently, John McMullen has put the kibosh on Tyler, our uh, former first uh, streamer of the day. Who has Every a- day. And I finally brought him up and I said, thank you. And he's gone. I don't, he I don't know. Just plain Does, just doesn't want to be under the microscope, I guess. Do you, do you think know. that's what it was? Uh, I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. They're hoping it wasn't the fact that uh, the Eagles season went up in flames. And he said, I don't need Yeah, Maybe that has something to do with it. But I think people like to uh complain about the eagles no not in philadelphia what are you no. talking about nobody I think, complains you know, like, like, sometimes you I don't think... you know it's always sunny in philadelphia uh, yeah go? yeah yeah it is yeah right Except although have... uh you know the new defensive line coach is going to block out the sun yeah uh, he's a big boy yeah. um and oh by the way it hasn't been sunny in philadelphia for about a friggin' week <laughs> i i I, oh, I haven't what... seen yeah i mean my god it's come on Forgotten what the sun looks like in this town with the weather we've had. But uh, we have for the next two hours got two good guests lined up to join us today to talk about the birds during the offseason. And yes, you mentioned the sun blocking new addition to the Eagles coaching staff. Uh, Two big hires with the offensive coordinator and defense quarter being replaced. 
and the defensive coaching staff, they're getting to work on right away. Fangio, of course, hired before Kellen Moore, so he's a couple of days ahead of the curve, and he's bringing in some guys that uh, he has former relationships with, worked with elsewhere, and dipping into the Seattle pool, which I have no problem with, Johnny Mac. The Seahawks have been a pretty damn good defense. I think they <laughs> were uh, – do a little scapegoating of their own yeah. uh, this uh, this past season when the Seahawks came up just short of making the playoffs, firing Pete Carroll, which allowed their staff to be picked apart. And the Eagles are jumping in and taking some guys from a quality Seattle defense. Yeah, it's it's funny how it works because I, I, I chuckled there because, you know, uh, our, our buddy BLG always does those. You know, all the sites, Bleeding Green Nation, obviously his, but all the teams have their sites, and he goes to the Seahawks site and and links to them, and, you know, they can't wait to get Clint out of there, the Seahawks fans. It's always amazing to me. You know, they, they I'll read the, the quote. Uh, fans of the Seahawks have joked during the offseason that it would be hard for a defensive coordinator because Clint was the defensive coordinator out there to land another job. It is, you know, and I was thinking about it. I, I, I it's my mistake during championship weekend. Um, when I'm on X, I'm looking at my, my comments and the people talking about the games and they're obsessed with the coaching. It's always about the coaching. They don't even talk about the players. They talk about the players in the moment. If somebody makes a great play, if somebody makes a bad play, then it's back to the coaching and coaching and coaching and, co- and the coach is awful. And John Harbaugh does the work. And Todd, I don't know what Todd Munkin's doing. And obviously Dan Campbell, how could Dan Campbell? That's all they talk about. And it's Clint Hurt. Clint Hurt's going to be great for this. And the Seattle people are like, Clint Hurt is terrible. I, I obviously that he's not, and he's a fine coach and I'm sure he'll do a fine job here, but uh, it, it's just amazing to me. It's about the players first and foremost. It's about the players. You can't, they're not miracle workers. I, 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 I sorry. I got frustrated right off the bat, Jetty. It's okay. And oh, by the way, I'm okay with fans being like that at this time of year. This is the time of year to talk about coaches. Now you're talking about in-game stuff and while the game is happening. And yeah, Dan Campbell, they're talking about because of decisions he made in-game. But most of the teams, Philadelphia Eagles included, aren't playing, haven't been playing for a couple of weeks now. So you start to analyze what the hell went wrong. Yeah, Everybody goes to the coaches first because the player's right. After the season's over, done with what they did or didn't do on the field, kind of goes just off top of mind. So people do focus on the coaches and coaching staffs will be developed and put together. And in about two weeks after the Super Bowl is over and done with, uh, you get the college all-star games kind of wetting your appetite. And then the combine will be coming up. All the attention goes back to the players. It's all about the players and free agency and what you can do and the eventual draft and like, so the season runs in stages of who is the focus I don't have a problem with the people focusing on the. Uh, uh, well, that's why I don't have a problem with. It. They can focus on whatever they focus on, but that's why I brought up the games and and the game. They're still complaining about the coach. It's all about the coach. Like it's a, 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 a I always joke like it's a, a toggle stick, whatever they call it, in, in a video game, and they just you know, I, it's amazing to me. Like I said, in the moment when somebody makes a great play, and then it goes right back to the coaches. And, 
you know, the difference between hopefully Clint Hurt will be a little bit better than Tracy Rocker. But, you know, and that's why I bring up the difference in Philadelphia is all excited and the fans in Seattle can't wait, can't wait to get rid of them. Same thing with Miami, with Vic. The people in Miami are like, who cares? You know, well, you know, and well, here he's the savior. You, you, you can thank uh, Drew Rosenhaus for that. I think he got that uh, ball rolling downhill. Oh, the players weren't all. Well, I know people that. don't like Drew, but there were players who went public on X. And and so, I mean, there was Cam Smith and and specifically Holland, the safety. They went out. They, they didn't hide it. They were they were basically celebrating uh, that Vic was leaving. So there were players who went public. And then there were other players, supposedly, from people I talked to in Miami in their exit meetings said, you know, told McDaniel, look, we gotta we gotta tone this guy down or 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 move on. Um and it, so Drew wasn't lying, but but I it, and Vic's a very good coach, don't get me wrong, but it, it it's you know, I, I think it one city, they're like, eh, he's terrible. The other city's a savior. You know, we're talking about incremental improvements when you're talking about great coaches versus uh, average coaches. And, and you know, I'm, like anything, you, you have some bad coaches. Um, and when you have an Andy Reid, it's great. And you have an advantage and all that kind of stuff. But people in Philadelphia lived through Andy Reid's one of the greatest coaches of all time. He had bad seasons. He had bad seasons when he had bad personnel. Including his last one, which was the reason that they eventually parted with Andy Reid, which uh, I'll just speak for myself. I had no problem when they moved on from Andy Reid. It was time. They had had a great run. Uh, his voice was getting a little stale. That's a word we're using a lot this week. You know, is that stale? Yeah, and uh, Andy also had some off-the-field issues, which contributed it too with his family and things like that. But, um yeah, I agree with you. It, shelf life, I always say everybody, even Bill Belichick had a shelf life. It was a quarter century, but he had a shelf life. Um, everybody's got a shelf life. Yep. And he will have one in Kansas City as well. Um, but he's a great coach, is my point. And, uh, and inarguable now, I hope, for people. Oh, no, what that's it, not true. <laughs> uh, hey, I, 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 say, say, I, I said, I hope. I, I said, I hope. calls on WIP. So how did they ever let Andy Reid go? Did you call me the week that they fired Andy Reid? Did you call me then and go, this is a big mistake? I don't remember any of those calls. I remember call after call after call of, yeah, it's about time. There you no, well, I still, I, I'm saying, I'm saying he's a great coach, and it, that should be inarguable. Not that, that the, the Eagles um, should have moved on at the particular time, and they did. And it's just, you know, sometimes you need to restart and all that kind of stuff. But, um. It, it, you know, you're talking about slight incremental improvements about particular players and get them in better positions and all the stuff you hear about coaches talk about ad nauseum. And then if you look at it from Nick Sirianni's staff, and I'm glad we're, we're going to have Marcus Hayes here on, in a couple minutes because nobody's been around Jeffrey Lurie as much as Marcus from a media standpoint over the 30 years that Jeffrey's been here. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm interested in the just the, the human nature dynamics of putting a head coach with a bunch of people that he doesn't want. Not And not that he, he's not going to like the people or the coaches, but he was loyal to his people and his coaches. And when I talk about coaches, 
you can't be a genius for two and a half years and turn into a dummy overnight. I guess you can in some people's minds, but it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me on any level. Yeah, it makes more sense to me because the collapse was so historic. There had to be a price to be paid. You, you call it scapegoat, call it whatever you want. You can't just well, to turn me, that's the page a different go, conversation, right, Jody. That's a different conversation. But I don't think because of the way the NFL one the one thing Chip Kelly said that always stuck with me, and I I I I thought it was. And, and, and it was kind of brilliant in its own way because it's so obvious. He, he told all his people, don't tell me we're doing it this way because it's always been done that way. I, he didn't want to hear that. And I, I said, you know what? That's, again, it's simple, but it's brilliant in its way. Just because the NFL does business, most people in the NFL right. uh, blames people, has to assign blame. Doesn't mean Jeffrey Lurie has to assign blame, has to assign blame every time expectations aren't met. I think history shows continuity is the better way to go. And I, I think it's proven throughout the league. Now, that doesn't mean you have to stick with everybody. There are guys who do a bad job. But that's where you have to trust the people and trust them to manage their men. And, and again, you trust in them for two and a half years, really over, let's say two and three quarter years. And then all of a sudden it became, because you had a, and, and by the way, I'm not trying to downplay how ugly it was. It was incredibly ugly. I'm not trying to downplay that, but it just seems so reactionary to me. It really does. Right. Well, then, then do me a favor. Tell me who's been let go that you think, didn't deserve to be let go, that it was just a reactionary decision. The Eagles folded up. They outweighed uh, the last seven games as compared to two and a half years. Somebody who paid a price, lost a job uh, that was part of a reactionary wave. Well, it's difficult for me with the assistants, uh, with the position coaches, because I'm not, I'm, you know, I can't see them do their job on a close level. And it, 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 it's, but guys who've been here for three years, you know, if they were so bad at their job, why, why, were they, why didn't you move on before? Um, what I, I've been very consistent. I, I don't think Sean should have been demoted. No, um, there, 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 were, there were pockets of this season where the defense played well. I know everybody forgets them, mm -hmm. but they were all er obviously earlier in the season, and they were all under Sean Desai. But we now agree that that was – Sirianni, who made that call, right? Yes, I okay. I believe. Well, then that's not on Jeffrey, and that's not on any organization. I, I, that's not I, him. I agree with that. I agree with that. Obviously, Jeffrey has to approve it, but I agree with that. I don't. I don't have. But and I said, if you want to fire Nick Sirianni for all the fire Sirianni people, forget about the offense. Start with that decision. I said that would be my top. I said fireable offense. Yeah. Yep. Now, so that's your Sean. I've been honest from the start i don't think brian should have lost the job if you're hiring these guys as in in the case of sean one year defensive coordinator experience uh brian none at the pro level little bit at the college level you don't know they they're gonna have growing pains I, I, you know i mean where where where's the proactive nature it's all reactionary 
There's no pro proactive stuff. And then you have the big pendulum. Oh, we got young guys. So now we got to bring in a senior citizen to coach the defense. And, and Kellen Moore's a, a little bit different, but he's he's been an offensive coordinator. This will be his sixth season, even though he's a young guy. So now we got to go experience. It just goes back and forth and back and forth. And guess what? When it doesn't work, if it doesn't, I shouldn't say that. It shouldn't be that negative. Uh, if it doesn't work, you're blowing everybody out again. Um, now, maybe you can demand um, the new head coach, keep Vic, or even keep Kellen Moore. Maybe elevate Kellen Moore to be the head coach. I don't know. But whomever, then you're starting, then you're at block one. I'm just, you you know by now, you know me by now, Jody. I am a continuity guy when it comes to the NFL. And I, I, look, I, I would have made small changes, but nothing more than that. Yeah, um, I had no problem with the removal of either of the two coordinators. Um, I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you to a point about continuity is preferable. But if you're bad, you can't have continuity for continuity's sake. You have to, you have to merit it. You have to earn it. And I think both of the coordinators did a below average job this year. Although I don't think the shot, the side should have paid for it in season. That was just uh, panic extraordinaire. Um, but when all is said and done, I don't have a problem replacing either of those two guys. That is one of the questions we will put to our first guest, uh, Marcus Hayes, from both the Philadelphia Inquirer and WIP, is going to join us. Always great to get Marcus's insight to the birds because uh, he's uh, on top of things as good as anybody else in this town. So keep it right where you've got it here on Birds 365. Marcus Hayes is next. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Magamac here with you on Birds 365. First guest for the day, the esteemed colleague and uh, contributor for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And uh, you can catch him on WIP as well. I've been catching Marcus uh, a little often of late. Good to hear his voice on WIP and good when we get him on here with us on Birds 365. Marcus Hayes jumps in. Uh, So we're starting right where John and I left off. Eagles fired both of their coordinators. You want to go all three and put Matt Patricia in there too? Yeah, that wasn't. No Michael way. Clay. Yeah. Michael Clay lives. Michael Clay. Uh, and and God bless him. He had a good year. Um, you got a problem with them moving on from either of the two guys? I know it was just one <clears> year. <throat> not much of a chance to prove themselves. But they said not good enough. We're going elsewhere. You got a problem with either of those two decisions, Marcus? I always considered Brian Johnson a two-year hire. You can't ask a guy to come into the NFL as a quarterback's coach and be a home-run offensive coordinator right away. It just didn't make any sense to me to promote him from quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator and then give it with, with a head coach who has you know right of first refusal or final say or whatever and blame him for the regression in Jalen Hurts and the offense in general. Uh, You know, Shane Steichen wasn't a great offensive coordinator in 2021. Shane Steichen is a very good head coach and was a very good offensive coordinator the years in the two years after that. So I was a little actually surprised to see Brian Johnson get the ax in fact, in part because he's kind of one of those Jeffrey Lurie guys. Lurie loves him. He thinks he's smart. He thinks he's marketable. He's he's by far for my money, John. He's by far the best presented guy on the stage. He may not give you great answers, oh, yeah. but oh, he's yeah. very, very well-spoken. He's very, very direct. And I think, uh, you know, you risk losing. It, it, it's intriguing to me that they have they had an issue with the quarterback and at least one of his wide receivers going rogue occasionally and admitted it. They said, you know, they have the freedom to do this, A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. And then you take Jalen Hurts' uh, godfather away. So... I, it just seems like for an organization that has so often had issues with the quarterback, you know, and and whoever the offensive coordinator or head coach is, they would do something that would clearly upset Jalen Hurts as much as this would logically upset Jalen Hurts. Right. I was going to say, do you, do you know something we don't know? Has Jalen said anything <laughs> off the record, behind the scenes? Why the hell are they doing it to my guy here? Or has he kept his usual 
flatline personality and seems to be take on everything that it's football and uh, life is life and we need to improve and it's on me. Uh, do you get, uh, did you get any sense and or any inside information that yeah, Jalen's not happy with the decision? There is no inside information with Jalen. He, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't talk, he doesn't talk to people close to him. Right. Um, but what his response when he was asked to endorse Nick Sirianni at the end of the year was we all have to get better. And he wasn't asked about Brian Johnson. And so, to me, that let me know that he didn't think that Brian Johnson was the problem. He didn't mention himself pointedly much either. I don't think I don't think uh, Jalen Hurts was delighted with the way that Nick Sirianni ran things this year. I think that he thought that <laughs> there should have been a step forward in the head coaching um, performance, and maybe Brian Johnson should have been better supported by Nick Sirianni. Um, that said, you know, that's my, that's my gut. That's my feeling mm -hmm. having been around Jalen for three years and have sort of being around the room and being around the players. There, there's no greater insight or Intel there. Um, but to, to answer your question, I'm a little surprised they were as willing as they were to move on from Brian Johnson, because I thought it was kind of a, a you got to give a guy two years. You can't expect a guy who's never done it before to be, you know, lights out, you know, immediately. And number one, number two, the head coach has culpability there. And number three, um, you know, you can only do so much as a coach if your players aren't running the plays you call. Well, that's true as well. Yeah, now, you, that's kind of my take on it as well, Marcus, from the perspective of, Shouldn't it be baked in when you're hiring Brian, uh, Brian promoting Brian, hiring Sean, who who had one year of experience, but a very young defensive coordinator? Shouldn't it be baked in from Jeffrey's standpoint? Nobody, and that's why I'm so happy to have you here. Nobody's been around Jeffrey Laurie in this town more than you. Shouldn't that be baked into Jeffrey's thinking that this isn't a finished product? If you're hiring these guys, you're putting these guys in this position. It's going to take more than a year. You can't be reactionary from my standpoint. And history says around this league, not just Philadelphia, continuity is better than the alternative. He seems to be very reactionary to me, Marcus, when things don't go as expected. You think that's fair or unfair? I think it's action. I, I think it's accurate. Sean Desai was a bad hire. He was the wrong hire. Everybody in the building knew it was the wrong hire, except Nick Sirianni, assuming Nick Sirianni was the one who made the hire, and it wasn't Howie Roseman. And, and well, how he found him. How he found him. Right. That's Howie's job. Uh, that, that, that's part no. of Howie's job. Now, no. that, the way Nick they've Sir set no. it up, the way they've set it up, Marcus, is when Nick doesn't have a guy in, in his pocket, how he goes out and finds candidates and then Nick interviews yeah. and approves them and, 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 and hires guy. the guy once and hires the guy. Yeah. Well, he you're talking about Denard, right? Denard Wilson was the guy that should have been hired as defensive coordinator. Um, I was just in Baltimore. I heard from both locker rooms that they couldn't believe Denard Wilson, who might be the best coach on either staff, according to several players and coaches in the, in that building that Denard Wilson was fired by Nick Sirianni. Okay. So he had a guy. Um, 
and it is not it is absolutely not Jeffrey's job or Nick's job or uh, Howie's job to hire assistant coaches. They they do it. No, but they, my, they take I that responsibility. They point. take that responsibility, but it is a head coach's job to understand the network of coaching and have three or four guys in his pocket. Now, one of the reasons Doug got fired is because he didn't do that diligence, right? He didn't do that. Nick does it. Now, whether or not it was Nick's decision, his agreement, um, whether it's Howie's guy or Nick's guy, the point is Sean Desai was the wrong guy. And you, you know that because when he was demoted, almost no one said he shouldn't have been demoted. I, I said that's it. not true. Two for two here on Bird Street. In, in the locker room, I know, I know, I know what you're saying. Oh, in, in the, the locker, locker room, gotcha. guys. I know gotcha. what you're saying. I don't care what I don't care what you guys I know. think. I, yeah, what yeah, I care I about is the guys who Thanks, could bud. stand up for Sean yeah. Desai did not stand up for Sean Desai. And you were there, John. The first the first yeah. time we had a chance to talk to these guys was after the demotion and after the game. And several guys said, "Well, you know, it's good to get a fresh perspective." Well, you know, who put, you, you know who put Sean Desai on the Eagles' radar? Vic Fangio. They wanted they oh. wanted to keep they wanted to keep the same stupid scheme, which we know. No offense, Vic, because Vic, at least if you're going to run it, you, you got the guy who understands it better than anybody else. But the Eagles wanted to keep the scheme the same, similar system. They couldn't. The timing didn't work out with Vic Fangio. And they went to Bick, and obviously everybody there has a close relationship with Bick, and Bick rec- recommended Sean. And, it, it, you know, not to say it's the right decision, wrong decision, because I'm with you. I think Nick Sirianni should have kept Denard Wilson. But once Nick makes that decision, and you see it, Nick's hat has his guys, Kevin Petulo, Jason Michael, um, uh, most notably still on the staff, obviously Shane, Jonathan were big parts of that. And, and then there were other guys like Brian Johnson, how he went out and found Brian Johnson. Then Nick does the interviews with the other quarterback coaches, James Urban, you were down in Baltimore. He was one of them, I believe. Uh, and he makes the decision as who he wants to be the quarterback coach. But I find it ironic from this organization's perspective, Marcus, because the same thing you mentioned, Doug. Well, Doug was with Andy Reid. I always thought this was such a dumb narrative because when things started going bad with Doug, it was, oh, he doesn't have a Rolodex of coaches because he should have been fired every year and went from staff to staff. No, he's on Andy's staff, which is the best staff to be on. So, you know, and his first coaching staff, which was helped with, was obviously very good. And then you had attrition. Guess what? Andy had one of the greatest coaching staffs of all time. You know that, 1999. And when the attrition started, it gets a little bit worse, a little bit worse. But the thing Jeffrey Lurie's Eagles do, Marcus, they scapegoat. They scapegoat. And they look to assign blame. And guess what? If you want to assign blame, you should have fired the stinking head coach. Now you got the head coach around a bunch of guys he doesn't know, he doesn't trust. Maybe he develops that trust, but he had guys he trusted. They were good for two and a half years, and now they're idiots. It doesn't make sense to me. Make it make sense, Marcus. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all right, either you want to, 
Are you saying fire? You should fire Nick Sirianni. Look, we I'm were saying, talking about Sean Desai. We we're well, talking about Sean Desai. Okay, I'm Sean Desai shouldn't have been hired. Sean Desai did a bad job, and he got demoted in the middle of the year, which was crazy. He should have just been fired, just for dignity. Oh, yeah, yeah once you make that, oh, yeah. number one, you should have fired him. Okay. Yes. Number two, like a lot of what you just posited is not how I understand it, particularly Brian Johnson. I mean, I, just because he was coaching in Florida doesn't mean how he found him. Um, I don't think he was a Nick guy either, but I think he was like the only concession, except for Stoutland, obviously, on that staff. Whereas Doug, uh, when I was at the one of the championship games in 2000, you know, after the 2015 season, 2016, January, when Doug was hired. And I was told correctly that Doug was hiring Frank Reich as his offensive coordinator. And I said, okay, who else is he hiring? And the guy said, well, they're going to keep Stoutland. I said, all right, who else? And the guy said, that's all he's hiring. Right. Jim Schwartz hired in his entire defensive staff himself. Okay. And Doug hired Frank Reich and retained Stoutland. So, and if you look at that staff, that initial staff, there's some sort of weird guys on that staff, just kind of the hinky guys on that staff. So, um, all that said, yes, I think it was reactionary to fire Brian Johnson, who got subsequently got head coaching and offensive coordinator interviews other places, and whose offense, you know, soup to nuts, was not nearly as bad as the defense. But I don't think it was reactionary to fire Sean Desai. I think that that was a question of them, as they have done so many times in the past, trying to be the smartest people in the room and hire a guy nobody else would would have considered for that job to begin with. All right, so let me ask you this. And you said it a couple of times, Sean Desai was a bad hire. When you say that, is that Marcus Hayes' opinion? Is that your sources within the team, the players, whoever else you talk to, their opinion? And either way... When did ever, when did whoever you're you're referring to know this? Because I think you could make that argument uh, at some point during the year, but right off the bat in camp, three games in, five games in, when when it become common knowledge as to whoever you're referring to, Jordan Desai was a bad hire. Well, again, not everybody believes today that it's he's a bad hire, so it's not common knowledge. Right. Um, the the inside the building. People were surprised that Sean Desai was the golden boy immediately. Not everybody, just few people. Around the league, people were astonished that Denard Wilson didn't get the job because they thought it was a Brian Johnson hire. You just promote the guy who's the best assistant on the staff, who's young and has the, has the room. Inside the room, there amplified by the hiring of Matt Patricia, inside the room, and I wrote this, when uh, he fired, when Nick, the day I found out Nick Sirianni fired Actually, the day after, I wrote this column, the players were outraged. And so that was immediate. That was literally the day the, the day after he fired him, I wrote the story, which was the day the story broke. Okay, So immediately, lots of people were like, who is this guy? This is a bad idea. And around the league, people who didn't know the team, didn't know the inner workings, were surprised that Denard Wilson, who has done a spectacular job in Baltimore on John Harbaugh's staff wasn't just promoted. It seemed seamless. It seemed easy. Um, so immediately for, for some people, and as the year progressed and John can attest to this too, 
there wasn't a whole lot of like, wow, Sean Desai was a great hire coming out of the locker room or anywhere around the league. So, and if you look at what they had, okay, they had issues at linebacker, but going into the year, they had two, you know, Pro Bowl caliber cornerbacks who had a horrible year. They had a whole defensive line, like everybody's either a first round pick or a multi-million dollar signing that had a horrible year. And they had a horrible year pretty much from the start. There were times when they beat bad teams, John, but they didn't play well. You know, they would they, just because you win doesn't mean you're good. Jim Schwartz in the Super Bowl, right? Oh, um, but uh, yeah, but Sean decided, and I, I don't mean to, Sean decided didn't hire himself. You know what I'm saying? Like Sean Desai did the best job he could. I just don't think he's cut out for that job myself personally. And it proved to be true. You're also asking Sean Desai with one year of experience in Chicago, I believe under Vic yes, or, or, yes. or, or subsequent, no, yeah. I believe after Vic yeah. left. After Vic left. Um, yeah. And I was there for that year too. That was the double doink year, right? So I was embedded in Chicago for the week before double doink. Sean Desai wasn't like a star assistant coach. He wasn't walking around like I'm the uh, I'm the next. Well, that's the thing you know I get saying? with Sean. Yeah, Sean doesn't have a presence. So you're coming off Jim well, Schwartz, my, who owns the building, basically walks around like he owns the building, has this tremendous presence. JG has this uh, enormous presence. You know, former defensive back, he carries himself around the players. I think Sean's that understated sort of. That's his background, right? Teaching. Um, well, and here's the thing, right? You're going into a room with, I think, five Georgia Bulldogs who are national champions and think they played on the greatest defense ever. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not being facetious. They are, mm-hmm. you know, national champions who, who, you know, people say in two years ago played on the greatest defense ever. Okay, in college, and then you've got Fletcher Cox, who's probably going to go to Hall of Fame. Brandon Graham, who's going to be in the Ring of Honor. Uh, Josh Sweat, who thinks that he is the greatest pass rusher in the world and should, you know, he's, he, that's, that's how you get confidence. Hassan Reddick, who's probably the best free agent signing how he's had in a long, long time, even though he makes $15 million a year. And your defensive coordinator is this guy. Yeah, I, I, and look, I, I'm saying in the situation, and obviously after the collapse, I, I do think there were there were pockets of good defense. Uh, week three, Tampa Bay. Uh, week five, the Rams. Week seven, most notably against Miami, who was having a great year offensively. So they were all early in the season. Uh, they were all with Sean Desai. They were all before the injuries, the attrition started. I'm not saying the guy did a great job by any stretch of the imagination. All I'm saying, similar to Brian Johnson, You've got to expect growing pains. Now, if you think the guy doesn't have it, as you're insinuating, Marcus, I'm not in the building. Uh, uh, I'm in the building a lot. Uh, well, outside the building, you know where we sit. But I don't get to see him do his job, you know, meticulously. So if you think the guy's overmatched, are you got to make a difficult decision. That's certainly a possibility. But from my standpoint, Jeffrey should have expected growing pains with both of these coordinators, both of these coordinators. And I think most of the problems on defense were personnel related. And I don't care if it were Vic Fangio and, and, and Vic is going to show up and people think he's the savior. He Guess what? He ain't going to be the savior unless how he gets better personnel. Um, and the injuries were a part of it. 
So all of that factors in, had a much more difficult time than Brian, who had a much better personnel situation from the offensive perspective. But look, it's Nick's decision, as you mentioned. I agree with Marcus Hayes. I would have elevated Denard Wilson. Nick did not. So if Nick's making all these mistakes, why is Nick here and you're blowing out everybody else? But again, you're assuming that Sean Desai was Nick's decision. I don't know about you, but I've heard both both sides. I've heard that this was a Howie Jeffrey hire, more a Howie hire than a Jeffrey hire, but Jeffrey liked it. And I'm not sure that, which blows my mind a little bit because Nick hired most of his entire staff and went to the Super Bowl. And it, it, it's difficult for me to digest that he wasn't allowed to replace his defensive coordinator with a defensive coordinator of his choice, unless the Eagles weren't particularly delighted with his choice of defensive coordinator initially, and they went to the Super Bowl in spite of Jonathan Yen. So, but these are these are crazy intrigues, right? Well, they, they were oh, going to hire Jonathan before they hired Nick. They were going to hire Jonathan if they went with Josh McDaniels. So, in a lot of well, ways, it was a Jim Schwartz kind of I don't think Josh McDaniels was very interested in Jonathan Gannon, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, Sean Desai didn't get any interviews after he got fired. Brian Johnson got head coaching and offensive coordinator interviews after he got fired. So you're not talking apples to apples here. One, I think, is reactionary. The other one, I think, is fixing a a pretty glaring and egregious mistake. All right, so let's look at the head coach, Marcus. Um, And you'll appreciate this because you take crazy callers on WIP, too. Uh, Someone said to me last night, well, what exactly is Nick Sirianni going to do this year? Is he getting paid to be a cheerleader? He's not running the offense. Why would you keep him around? And I noted to him that, and this is probably the wrong weekend to do it because both the team lost. Dan Campbell doesn't call plays in Detroit, but people sing the praises of Dan Campbell. The main thing Dan well, Campbell they used does. To. They used to sing the praises of Dan Campbell. Right. Well, uh, and most people still do. After you take a step back and go, all right, he took too many gambles on fourth down in the championship game, but uh, he's also the guy who elevated the Detroit Lions to a championship game, which they haven't been in in decades. And oh, by the way, that hardball guy who had the best regular season in the entire National Football League doesn't call plays either. So we have examples of CEO coaches that work in the National Football League. Is that type of head coach going to fit Nick Sirianni? Well, it has. I mean, he didn't. He's the reason they went to the Super Bowl is because he stopped calling plays his first year. I, I don't know why this is suddenly a debate. Like, okay, well, what is? Oh he, yeah, he's yeah, I agree. Do, he was already the a CEO coach. The last yeah. season, uh, the last two and a half seasons. You know, the the concept of play calling head coach is incredibly flawed. And one of the things I adore about Nick, and I think this is uh, genuine, is if he figures out, okay, I'm not good at this. Let me see if somebody else is good at this. Or how can I get better at this? He really does try to get better. Like, he's got a weird ego. He loves attention, but he doesn't need, he doesn't need uh, recognition. It's a, it's a strange, it's a strange uh, combination. But when he backed off, uh, it, it's just astounding the amount of humility and uh, strength you have to have as a first-time head coach who's never called plays, to my knowledge. You might have done it in San Diego. I don't think so. But as a first-time head coach 
who's never called plays, to surrender play calling because you're not very good at it in the middle of your first season, that takes incredible strength of character. I will always, I, I'm a, I am, that's the reason they went to the Super Bowl, you know, a year later, because he showed that locker room that, yeah, I could be so accountable that I'm giving up the thing I've spent my whole life trying to get a chance to do, call plays on an NFL sideline. So the the whole, like, cheerleader, what is he going to, you know, I was a little, I was a little ticked off at the room, John, the other day when somebody asked him that question, you know, you're not called, well, you could do this, you could do this, you could do the same thing he did, you know, yeah, all the way to yeah, Super Bowl. He's right. going to do the same thing almost every Super Bowl coach has done. You know, very few hyper-successful uh, coaches are seriously involved with every play call. I mean, Bill Belichick, correct me if I'm wrong, in a while. Bill Belichick no, was a CEO. Yeah. Who's the greatest coach in history? Bill. Bill. Okay. In my, All right, in let's, my so let's, just, let's just not have this conversation anymore because it's more than dumb, okay? It's willfully obtuse. You're pretending. <laughs> you're pretending that that you can't. That coaches have never succeeded as a CEO entity. Yeah. Well, Jody opinion, knows. And it's I'm, always I'm been big, my opinion. Yeah, I'm all a big coaches, CEO. All NFL coaches should be CEO entities because I don't need Sean McVay over there looking at, looking at a, a, a screen with the quarterback while the defense is on the field. He might have to throw a flag for a review. Right. I don't need that. By the way, Sean McVay was hilarious in his rookie season with the Rams. He would go sit with Jared Goff at the time. Yeah. And when Wade Phillips would run the deep end, he wouldn't even pay attention. He wouldn't know what's going on in the game. Yeah. They'd have to come um, down in distance after yeah, the punt. Yeah. You know? Uh, now, here's the – you're right, and, and Jody knows. I've always been a proponent of CEO coaches. And Nick was already a CEO coach before this. So that part of it, but the contextual aspect that's real from my perspective is, and you've heard Nick say this multiple times, as somebody who's there every day for every press conference, I've heard him say it over 25 times. As long as I'm here, this is Nick speaking, this is going to be my offense. It doesn't matter. And he is actually quoted. Doesn't matter for Shane, Brian, he brought up Howie, Dom DeSandro, Marcus Hayes, Jody McDonald. Uh, now I'm going off script. It's going to be my offense. It's now not his offense. That's true. By decree. That to me is the difference. How does that work? Can it work? Well, let's uh, let's get into an argument about semantics, okay? Those are always fun. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Nick Sirianni is not involved at all with the construction of this offense, like the entire playbook, the schemes, the things that Jalen likes and, and or does well, the things that A.J. Brown likes and or does well, then it is kind of his offense. He's, it's not as if he's, he's going – I'll put it to you this way. It ain't going to be his defense, okay? No. So it's definitely going to be – something somewhat his offense again this is a this is a silly conversation to have to think that because what he also said in that in that uh press conference is that it's going to be the philadelphia eagles offense Our and offense, he's going to retain right. he's going to retain some of the elements that work well um 
And so it's going to be less his offense. But again, he, that that one day gave convinced me to give him the benefit of the doubt when it goes to like big picture macro issues. I believe that if this offense works and Kellen Moore gets hired by the Cowboys to replace Mike Mike McCarthy next year, well, that'd be great. Um, by the way, that that's uh, a great was, story. I hope that it was, supposed to, it was supposed to happen. Like he was yeah. supposed to be the successor yeah. of for for uh. For, uh, what's his name? Um, Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett. Yeah, the right, clapper. Jason Garrett. The clapper. He was he was the resident genius down there. I was embedded there a couple of weeks too. Um, the uh, Nick Sirianni's offense will never be run in the NFL again because parts of it don't work well. So his offense going forward after Kellen, you know, assuming Kellen Moore gets another job somewhere as a head coach and you know everything works out for the Eagles next year. That'll be Nick Sirianni's new offense. He, I said all that to say he's willing to learn. He's willing to adapt. I don't think – if you remember, John, the first six, seven games of his rookie year, the offense that the Eagles have run for the last two and a half years did not resemble no. the offense oh, yeah. that Nick Sirianni oh, yeah. brought. running Phillip Rivers. Yeah, he was running right. the Phillip Rivers offense. Yeah, Exactly. So the Nick Sirianni offense has already undergone a major overhaul and I would contend that the overhaul it undergoes with Kellen Moore will be less dramatic than it was under Shane Steichen in the middle of the season because you have a quarterback who has it, who's had input in that offense. And you have an offense that's re- largely returning. The, the, this, this is a good, going to be one of my columns in the near future. If you have an offense that was relatively successful in a bad year when you won 11 games, outlandishly successful and took you to a Super Bowl the year before, and you return 85% of the players who made that offense work, and that may be a little high, but I don't think so. I think they've, they've essentially had the same players and essentially will have the same players three years in a row, four years in a row. How much are you going to, why would you, like, you might tweak it. You might take things out and put yeah, things in. That's what but I you're said. not going to rebuild no. an offense and make the entire offense learn a new offense. That's insane. Yeah. Like, I think Kellen Moore is going to have elements of the, I think we're going to see 85% Nick Sirianni's offense and 15% whatever, whatever Kellen Moore likes to do, more motion, more, more motion, center, whatever. Under, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you say 80, sort of 85, 15? Like, why would you change it that much? Yeah, it's not well, a failed offense. Because they, they underachieved. I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Did the offense underachieved? Absolutely. The under-achieve? Absolutely. Okay, the offense underachieved. What would be achieved? Now, I, I set a pretty damn high bar, but I think it was a worthy high bar because they were as good as they were the year before. They no, were they weren't. the second best offense they, in the they NFL. Were, they were just demonstrably not as good as they were the year before. Well, and that's underachievement for me. No, the, I'm saying that you're talking about the personnel. The personnel was not as good. The personnel was older. The personnel had, there was a book on the personnel. The, there were injuries to be accounted for. It, most notably, again, Dallas Goddard. So, no, they weren't as good as they yeah, were the year Goddard before. Goddard missed games the game before and, the year and before, the quarterback too. Was in, and, and the quarterback was injured all year. Well, the quarterback actually missed two games the year before. This year he missed none. That doesn't mean he wasn't hurt. 
All right. Uh, I don't know any of us know how hurt Jalen was. We know he didn't have any surgery done after the season, so uh, we're all so going to have to just speculate on that. Well, number one, so far, the surgery he had done after last season was for yeah. an issue that predated him being a professional. Yeah. My point being, Jalen Hurts, the, the big narrative, and to, to ignore this or pretend it didn't happen, Jody, is just disingenuous. Jalen Hurts had a knee injury in the middle of the season that nobody didn't talk about at all. All we talked about all year is, oh, he doesn't have the burst. He must be nursing an injury. He didn't have the burst because he was nursing an injury. Yeah. And it was an injury that he – you know how you know it was a significant injury? He refused to talk about it. And I did. We did here on Birds 365. I remember the one game he almost couldn't walk off the field. He was limping right. like an old man going back to the so sideline. I'm going, same, damn, his so knee's got to be bothering him. So it wasn't the same offense. It wasn't the the, the personnel was it, it, no you know no two no rivers the same when you step in it right you step in the same spot it's a different river the same is true of everything in life but it was very true of this offense and I'm not saying this offense was good I'm just saying this offense wasn't horrible you right. know what I'm saying oh, and I'll say so, that too but the so bar was set before the year started they did what they did like you said they kept people intact high level talent. And it didn't come up nearly as well. If if you want to just lay it off on Jalen Hurts was hurt, okay, fine. No, I no, think no. I think, Brian Johnson. I think Brian Johnson did a bad job of calling plays. I think there were a lot of reasons that the Eagle offense went backwards this year. Right, but you're but the, the, the concept of like let's scrap the Nick Sirianni offense that was outrageously effective two years ago and pretty effective. I mean, think about the points they when Jalen Hurts was healthy. And when the team was intact, they scored points like crazy on uh, Kansas City. They scored points like crazy on the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they beat good teams because of the offense. Yeah, I, 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 and and that aspect, I'm with Marcus. I, I don't get it. The offense was was good, was darn good over the past two seasons, and that's kind of brings me back to my point where I don't I don't understand why we're blowing everybody out because I think it's too reactionary to what happened in the final seven games, and you're forgetting that two and a half years. But so here's uh, my question, okay? Here's sure. my question to you guys, okay? Mm-hmm. If Tracy Rocker, the defensive line coach, is going to get dinged for not developing the young guys and not managing <laughs> the old guys. If uh, by the way, Fletcher was Patricia, great this year. Sorry, yeah, Fletcher was year. great this year. Fletcher was great this year. But go ahead, Marcus. Sorry. You guys, you guys are delusional. Fletcher Cox, when he injured, injured his groin in Buffalo, he just didn't come back to the team. Like he was a non-factor after he injured. Well, everybody was a Buffalo. non-factor in the past six games. Uh, the the well, final That was part of the year. I mean, yeah. the, the, the biggest reason they stunk down the stretch is because Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, and Jalen Carter disappeared. That's why they didn't win playoff games. That's why they lost games in the middle of the year. The, the middle of that defense was nothing after the Buffalo Bills game. I mean, it's just it's the, the, they were the they were the they were the players who underachieved the most on the team in that stretch, and it's not even close. So yeah, anyway, I'll take um, I'll take Bradbury, but that's just me. Again, Bradbury's irrelevant if those guys can't play. Bradbury made some bad some bad plays, but he wasn't seven week stinker. Those guys just disappeared, and I don't blame them. They're you know the two guys are young, and Fletcher was hurt. But where was I? What was I talking about? Oh. So if Tracy Rocker can get dinged, the defensive line coach, for you know not developing the young guys, and if uh, say DK McDonald gets dinged 
because he's not a, you know, he didn't uh, follow Denard Wilson to the defensive back coach as well as he should have. If we're going to revamp the offense because Jalen Hurts regressed, Brian Johnson stunk, and Nick Sirianni couldn't figure it out, how is Kevin Petulo still on the staff? He's the pass game coordinator and the associate head coach. It's the head the coach pass game. <laughs> the <laughs> pass. I'm just saying. I mean, if you want to be, if you want to talk about, you know, favoritism or whatever, just based on results, that is the guy. That is the AJ Brown. He got all these flowers. He's a former wide receivers coach. He got all these flowers for incorporating AJ Brown. AJ Brown this. AJ Brown that. AJ Brown disappeared in the second half of the season. Jalen Hurts. We got a lot of credit for Jalen Hurts. You know, development and you know, quick. Jalen Hurts had a, like a 81 passer rating over the last seven games. How's Kevin Petulo bulletproof? bulletproof? Um. Yeah, that's the one hill Nick would die on. I yes, guess. Yes, I agree. Um, the Mike Grow, the Mike Grow slash uh, oh, who Press was the Taylor. quarterback's Press, coach? Press Taylor. Press Taylor of yeah. the Nick Sirianni era. Yeah, and yeah. to to uh, and it's probably Petulo. I don't know. Maybe it's Petulo and Sirianni together. He does stay lower profile. He's not attached to a specific group. So when the fingers start pointing and the axe starts falling, he's just off to the side enough that he could be negotiated. That he, he not on him. Where I, I really need him. I want to keep him. I don't know. I'd, say, I'd say being the past game coordinator is about as specific as you can get. I'm just plus I mean, he, he he's got a lot of administrative responsibilities. He's Nick's right hand man when it comes to the logistics of coaching. I'm guessing that's yeah, how Nick sold. That, yeah. yeah, Nick sold it in that way. And that's I'm, the associate head coach element of it. Yeah. He does a lot of things that yeah. it takes the the takes stuff off the desk of the CEO yeah. because it is a really really hard busy job. Yeah. You yes. know, just, yeah. even if you're not coordinating, you just don't have time. Every yeah. minute of Nick Sirianni's day is accounted for from the time he walks in the building to the time he leaves to go home, even as a non-coordinator. Yeah. All right, Marcus, last thing, and thank you very much for an extended period of time today. Who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? Rooting for? Yeah. I don't care. You don't care. I, I good for you. I have never. A true I, I journalist stance. I don't care. Good, I don't good care for you, Marcus Hayes. Rooting for I, I a good story. All That's all. I tell, these guys, I tell these guys in their face all the time, coaches, yeah. players, I don't care if you win every game that you play for the rest of your life. I don't care if you lose every game that you play for the rest of your life. I don't wish you any misfortune. But I don't wish you any success. I, 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 the person I root for is me. I root yeah. for me. Exactly. The best story possible. Best story. Like, it, the great thing. I was in Baltimore a couple of days ago for that game, and it was astonishing. Taylor Swift was there. Okay. Andy Reid, the greatest coach alive, was there. John Harbaugh, maybe the best coach Andy Reid has had, maybe the best coach from his tree, was there. Jim Harbaugh was there to the national championship coach was there to support his brother. Uh, Travis Kelsey, arguably the greatest tight end of his era, depending on how you couch it, was mm-hmm. there. Uh, Lamar Jackson, the MVP. most dynamic player and the probably a two-time MVP was there. And Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Don't forget so Jason. Best- Jason Kelsey. Don't forget Jason. And, and Patrick Mahomes. The... I, I guess you could say that maybe the second best quarterback in history now, maybe the third already. Boy, he, is, he is ripping up you know? the, the chart, isn't he? My God. So it was just like, of all places, the Inner Harbor of Baltimore, 
Jason Kelsey's presence notwithstanding, was just like this <laughs> constellation of stars. Yeah. And there were just so many, uh, to, to my point, there was, I didn't care who won the game. There's going to be a great story coming out of it anyway. Yeah. If Lamar wins, he got over the hump and he can win the big game. If Lamar, if uh, John Harbaugh wins, he does it in front of his national championship brother who gets to follow him to the Super Bowl where he beat him before. If Andy wins, greatest coach ever. Patrick Mahomes wins, greatest quarterback ever. You know, if Travis Kelsey catches a touchdown, Taylor Swift gets to kiss him on the field, which is what I wrote. Uh, Taylor Swift gets to kiss him on the field and make everybody angry that she's, she, has, she has a boyfriend who plays in the NFL. Uh, so to answer your question, Jody, I root for this guy. And you are yeah. rooting for the story. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. As written by Marcus Hayes coming up in 12 days. And that's the way it should be. The way Marcus does it for all you aspiring journalists out there. Do do not root for a team. Yeah, do it the Uh, right way. Good, good on you, Marcus. And we love it when you, whenever you uh, carve out a couple of minutes, join us on the show. Thank you much. Safe travels out to the West Coast to find your story for the Super Bowl. We'll certainly be reading it. Thanks, bud. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mark, Marcus. Marcus says Philadelphia Inquirer and WIP. That was my question on WIP last night to the fans who are not journalists like Marcus says and John McMullen. Who are you rooting for? Yeah, they don't want to root for anybody. They don't like either of the two sides, but it seems the lesser of the two Eagles. For Eagles fans, at least as per on my lines last night, was the Chiefs. And not even because of Andy Reid, just uh, they, there's a <laughs> there's a Taylor Swift blowback. I'll give you that. Yeah. But people really don't oh, like God. San Francisco. Could San Francisco talk the talk and walk the walk and came in and kicked well, the Eagles ass this year? In Philadelphia, they don't like San Francisco. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't care about Taylor. Well, we are only 11 months from uh, Harrison Butker kicking a field goal and keeping a parade from happening here in Philadelphia, well, that's right? true. That's true, too. And we already but forgotten the, that. It was only 11 months ago that that came down. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I get a feeling that there's more hatred for San Francisco. Maybe there I'm is. wrong, but, uh, um, I, you know, I do want to, and Marcus is great, tremendously opinionated. I love opinionated people who have conviction. Um, I do want to correct, Sean Desai's gotten interviews to be defensive coordinators. I'm a little surprised by that, by the way. Buffalo and Atlanta, but he has gotten interviews. So it's unfair to say he hasn't gotten interviews because he has. So he's not he's not the 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 lampoonish figure uh, as he got the foot in the ass out the door here in Philadelphia. And where I disagree with both you and Marcus, maybe I'm a bad dude, maybe I'm too much like Jeff Laurie. It's a it's a cold, cool world in the National Football League. Well, that if, I agree with. If that. you are hired to take over a team that was in the Super Bowl the year before, you don't get growing pains. You don't get growth. You don't get a built-in timeline. You got to be able. No, you hit the ground running. They, that's the job you're taking. If you're no. three and thirteen and you get no. hired, job yeah, before, look at look at look at it. Time. That that's not necessarily true. When you're well, that, rebuilding, absolutely true. John, I'm stating my opinion here. 
I'm not saying that you have to follow it or Marcus have to follow it. I'm just stating well, no, my you opinion. can have your opinion, but I'm saying look at it from a head coaching perspective. Now, there's a few that get blown out right away in the first season, uh, and those are usually reactionary owners. Usually, when you're a bad team and you hire a head coach, you you give them two. We're not talking about years. that coach. We're talking about the coordinators. There's, well, there's, same thing you, with the coordinators. Same you think, thing with the you coordinators. don't think there's a different standard between coordinators and, and head coaches? No, there's a slightly different standard. But when you talk about coordinators, same thing. You hire a first-time coordinator. If you're if you're a smart owner, you're not saying I'm gonna have, you know, I'm not I'm gonna have the greatest coordinator in the history of the world year one. You know there's some growing on the job that's baked into it. You should know that. I should that maybe that's the word I you should know that as an owner that there's going to be some some growing pains. If not, go hire 25 year veteran Vic Fangio. If you want experience, like you got Jim Swartz, go get experience. But if you're hiring a first first year offensive coordinator and a guy with one year experience and you don't expect growing pains, go look in the mirror, Jeffrey Laurie. If you didn't expect growing pains. And the funny thing about it is, John, and you'll never get Jeff Lurie and or Howie Rosen to admit that. And this is just a, a theory I'm throwing out there right here, right now. Maybe they, un- and I said this last night on WIP, the Eagles had a bad season. Um, certainly as per expectations, I had them going back to the Super Bowl. So I have my expectations and they should, certainly came up short of that. Why? Why did that happen? What were the reasons? What were the, put them in an order. You know what I realized last night? I had no idea how important Shane Steichen was to this organization. I really didn't. And I think we saw the drop-off that we saw, and we saw Shane Doe go and do a good job with a Colts team that shouldn't have been competing for a playoff spot in the last week of the season. I think the Eagles at all, meaning Jeff Laurie and Howie Roseman, maybe put a little too many eggs in Sirianni's basket and didn't realize yeah, you know, we're making them, we're losing a big chip here by watching Shane Steichen go out the door and we can just elevate our quarterback coach. We'll be fine. It's Nick's offense because he tells us so. I think they did. And I'm, I'm copping to it too. I think I did underestimated the loss of Shane Steichen. Well, I think Shane's great. I'm a big Shane fan. So, and I said that from day one, I thought there's going to be growing pains. You know, in the off season, people are like, yeah, it's going to be fine. And from the offensive perspective, they said everybody's going to be back. And you and I both consistently said Shane's pretty good at it. I I don't think it's going to you be more so than me. You 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 yeah. were you were more worried about Shane's loss than I was. I knew it was a loss, but I didn't know how great it was going to be. And yeah, I'm putting it on Brian Johnson. And, uh, and from the fair defense, unfair, but he paid for it with his job. And from the defensive perspective, because of the hatred of, of, of JG, people were like, well, it's got to be better than JG. Right. Think about those stupid comp- you, you, comments. You know, you and I were on that same page. Nobody yeah. gave Gannon enough credit for how good he was. That yeah. that that comes as a surprise to, to know. And you and I were both, uh, I think, righteously so, given Gannon the credit that he, he deserved. And he's McBall and I'm McDonald. We're going to get a quickie timeout, come in, come back. We got Johnny Marks. That's right, Johnny Marks, longtime Philadelphia radio talk show host, is going to jump on with us here on Birds 365. And Eagles fans, check this out. Here's your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you do. Call managing partner either Jim or Fran and tell them you're a friend of Jacob Sports and Birds 365. 
My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamutton Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Mac and Mac, Jordan McDonald, John McMullen here with you on Birds 365. Thank Marcus Hayes for jumping in. Looking forward to Johnny Marks jumping in, coming up in uh, just a couple of minutes from now. Um, last night on uh, WIP, someone checked in and uh, was really surprised by the fact that uh, Jeff McClain, who was just here with us on Birds 365 last week, uh, wrote a column running down 
eagle changes for the upcoming and nothing to do with the coaches purely on the player side as to the roster changes that could be coming for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he had like 20 out of 43 guys who finished the last game uh, on the active roster against the Buccaneers, not back with the Eagles uh, next year. And I was surprised that the caller was surprised. Oh my God. How can you turn over a team like that? You watched the blues six in the last seven. Did you not? Uh, this is the way the NFL works. Guys on one-year contracts make good deals and the like, despite John's love of continuity. Sometimes you got to make some significant changes, and the Eagles are going to have to do that at some point very soon here, in like the next week, the football, the Super Bowl will be played, and then the attention is all going to swing, uh, like you say, the pendulum. The pendulum is going to swing to Howie, and Howie's going to come under the microscope of the moves he's going to have to make to retool the roster, roster building, and eventually down the road in April with the draft. Uh, I want to ask about one particular guy, which I am really having a tough time coming up to see any way that he sticks with the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you think there's any chance that Kevin Bayard reworks his deal? He's like a $14 million cap hit. That has zero chance of happening. Kevin Bayard back on the deal he is presently on has no chance of happening do you think the Eagles like what he did? Didn't like what he did? They'd take him on an unbelievably cap-friendly deal. What do you think Kevin Bayard's chances of being a 2024 Philadelphia Eagle are? I don't. I don't think they're great. Um, I think the only thing that maybe would change that is if uh, if Vic wants them, Vic Fangio wants them, uh, and they can rework. As you mentioned, the contract's got to be reworked. So. Uh, that part of it, yeah, that part of it's certainly uh, baked into the process. But uh, no, I, I mean, he, he wasn't bad, but I don't think they got what they expected um, uh, down the stretch um, from from Kevin Byard. And, you know, he was once an all-pro safety. So, uh, you know, that follows you. But this this league moves very, very quickly. Um and, you know, just because you were an all-pro once doesn't mean you're an all-pro in perpetuity. I say that all the time. Yep. So um, he's not the same player he once was, and uh, I would say odds are against it. But if Vic Bangio comes in here and says, I need a veteran presence to play center field, remember, you're going to – safeties in, in this scheme, it, it's more about coverage than it is Kyle Hamilton, unfortunately. Um, it's more about the coverage aspect. So um, I'd love to see a safety like Kyle Hamilton playing all over the place, but that's just not what they do in this particular defense. Right. And uh, it will come down to, you know, Fangio is going to be able to make that call, even though Howie talks about roster construction. He's been here and Fangio got here 10 minutes ago. I think they will defer to him a lot on what he wants and what he's going to try and build on the offense. That's just a, a guess. We'll find out over time, but I think, um, probably more so than any non-head coach that Fangio walks in with the gravitas to dictate, even more so than Gannon, who we know they liked when they hired. I think that they're going to, I don't want to say do his bidding, but I think he's going to have a, a his fingerprints will be all over the defensive moves they make this offseason. Uh, I agree with that. But, you know, 
within reason in other words you know he can say wants them and how he'll try to get it but you got to work out the contract part of it as well they're not just going to say no matter what we're bringing him back but if he wants him back um certainly he will do his best to make it work from a money perspective as well all right one more question before we get johnny marks up here um and i referenced jeff mcclain of the inquiry we had markets in the inquiry we're showing the inquiry a lot of love today uh, Olivia Rainier did her article this week from Baltimore down with Jason Kelsey and the Chiefs and everybody else, and she got some quotes out of Jason Kelsey. They made it sound like Jason Kelsey's coming back, Johnny Mac. Yeah. Uh, you read between the lines, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, there was a line or two in there that you could certainly read as, yeah, he's still leaning toward retirement. But there were several lines in there that made it sound like, as a player, well, if, if you're going to retire, you don't do designate yourself as a player, and that's exactly what he did. Um, I, I've said since the last game of the season, just because he gave a bro hug to a couple of his fellow offensive line mates as he's going out the door, it meant that he was retiring. I've always stayed on the side of I think he's coming back, and after reading Olivia's article, I feel that much strongly, that much more strongly about it. I think he's coming back for another year. How about you? Maybe, maybe maybe he does it despite Adam Schefter. I don't, we've seen that before, right? Um, I think Tom Brady came back because of Adam. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. He we've absolutely was planning on retiring. And yeah. he said, well, yeah, Schefter, you're going to announce when I'm retiring? No, I'll come back and play yeah. another year. Maybe maybe we have history repeating itself on a smaller level. And Jason goes through this all the time. The season ends, he thinks he's going to retire. Then he goes away, recharges the batteries a little bit and says, I'm going to miss the Novacare complex cafeteria too much. Um, and he comes back and he plays. I'm, I'm still leaning towards retirement. Um, I think, you know, it's very difficult for him to go through a season. You know, he's so durable and people assume he's out there and he's healthy and they assume he's a hundred percent. He's not a hundred percent. He struggles and he struggles to get through it um, at his age. And it's a tremendous grind on him. Um, I'm still leaning towards retirement, uh, but he's done this before and I've been burned before and he recharges the batteries and says he wants to come back. Um, I think the big part of it is he's always said, you know, and, and if there's any doubt, come back and play. Cause you'll never get a, you're, you'll never get that chance again. His play slipped a little bit down the, the end of the season. I don't think he wants to play if he can't play at the level he's used to he's used to and he did not play well in Tampa so i'm still leaning towards retirement yeah i'm leaning toward him coming back that will be one of the questions we'll put to our next guest first time we've had him here on birds 365 looking to uh shooting the breeze chopping it up come philadelphia eagle time with john marks longtime philadelphia radio show host who at least took the hat off for the appearance up until now he's sitting in the green room with the hat on cold he can put it back on must yeah. have had the dog out or something but uh johnny marks joins us next here on birds 365 go to get your game on go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on Go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, 
Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Appreciate you streaming in. They are on Birds 365. Joining Mac and Mac. My bud, my pal, John Marks, longtime Philadelphia radio show host. And, John, we're going to jump right into the fray. I'm going to ask you to do something that wasn't always your MO when you were a uh, sports talk show host here in Philadelphia for a long time. Very good at it. Give me a hot take. I need a hot take, goddammit, John Marks. You are Mr. Hot Take for me right here, right now. 100% guaranteed Jason Kelsey coming back for another year of retiring. Which, Which side you on? Nip, retire, and I want him to retire. I heard John. And Damn it. I mean, his play did slip, and frankly, I don't need to pay $15 million to a center on a team that has a lot of other needs. You drafted Cam Jurgens. I know he played pretty well at guard, but he's a guard, right? Like, take advantage of his rookie salary, slide him over to center, use one of your other, maybe the, the Steen, the Stein, whatever his last name is from last year, or sign. Like, it's time for Jason Kelsey to move on. 
right? I love Jason Kelsey. He's had a great Eagles career. He's going to have his number retired. He, he, he might be a Hall of Famer, probably going to be a Hall of Famer. I think it's just time to move on. It's time for a lot of these old guys to move on and to really start the, the next generation of the Eagles because this team's not winning the Super Bowl next year. So it's time to move on. I, but it uh, sounds to me like right. that's the John Marks evaluation. What do you think Howie Roseman's going to do? Do you think Howie feels the same way you do? Yeah, his play dropped off the last couple. Of, yeah, he's getting old. I think they 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 renegotiate. They friggin' cut Fletcher Cox last year. We signed right. him about twenty minutes later, but they cut Fletcher Cox, so they can do the same thing with Kelsey. Do you think Howie sees it the same way you do? I think the Eagles are smart enough to know that if Jason Kelsey wants to come back as an Eagle, that they're going to bring him back as an Eagle. Um, yeah, I think they, we're in Derek Jeter territory, John. Uh, you, you probably Ooh. want to move on, but if he wants to come back, you let him come back. You have to. Yeah. I yeah. think. I think that's how and I. You, and, and I don't. I don't know if you have to do that with with Brandon. Um, he may get another year as a part time player, and he knows he's not making. He's going to make yeah, two million dollars. Brandon, he's still, he's still can contribute. Yeah, Brandon's easy because he's willing to take the um, you know five million bucks and. He does still contribute, whereas whereas Fletcher to me is the more interesting part on defense, John, because he might retire. I think a lot of that, that, that that's gone over a lot of people's heads. Um, Jordan Davis was flat out talking like he was gone um, at, at cleanout day. I think there is a very good chance that Fletcher Cox either retires or if he does play, he played well enough to where. He's going to be in that ten-figure category. And do the Eagles want to go there with Fletcher Cox? Probably not. And and John, I think I agree with you. If he he played well enough, and I think teams look at him and say, yeah, he's still got another above-average year in him. We can't play him seventy snaps a game, but he can still get to the quarterback. He's a veteran leader. That all those guys, and you know this, John, they look up to him in that room. So I I don't see Fletcher retiring because I think there's going to be too much money left out there for him. But I mean, it's also the same thing, Jody, you're saying you think that Jason Kelsey comes back. Yes. I don't think, I, I don't, th I don't think it's a, out of the realm of possibility. It's hard to pass up 14, $15 million. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's yeah. going to make a lot of money outside of football and he's doing it with his podcast and he's going to go and be an analyst or whatever he's going to do. Still $15 million. I know Tony Romo is making a lot of money, but $15 million is tough to pass up on. And we'll oh, see. by the way, the podcast's not going anywhere. If he if he puts no. off the full time podcast yeah. for another year, it it's still going to be one of the top podcasts in the country whenever he gets to it full time. All right, Johnny Marks, the Eagles made a big hire. Kalen Moore, uh, Kalen Moore, new offensive coordinator of Philadelphia Eagles. Does that cure all ills that Jalen Hurts had this year? Is that magically going to get Jalen Hurts back to twenty twenty two status? Well, I think it 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 you, you have to ask yourself what happened last year and what happened with Jalen Hurts. Was that a product of the league adjusting and Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offensive coaching and coaches having um, struggling to adapt to that? What did Jalen Hurts take a step back? I think it's a combination of a lot of different things, uh, but ultimately Jalen is going to have to improve as a quarterback. He's going to have to take that next step. But I really think that, Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni, and just the the overall offensive play calling really did him did him a disservice this year. It just didn't seem like they had an answer for what defenses were doing. And then when they started blitzing Jalen, pretty much when they realized he wasn't one hundred percent healthy, and they started blitzing him, they literally had no answer. That yeah. Buccaneers game, it felt like the Bucks had twenty defenders on <laughs> defense. 
to what the Eagles are trying to do. That's how difficult it was to do anything. Yeah, you know, this is supposed to be a great offensive line. This is supposed to be one of the best or the best offensive line in the league. And it never looked like that, especially the last half of the season. I like the Kellen Moore. I like the, I like the signing of Kellen Moore because at least now you have a bona fide, experienced play caller. I, I was digging through some stats because a lot of people have questions. Well, what happened to the Chargers last year? Why did why did Herbert take a step back? What happened to the running game? And I don't follow the Chargers close enough to do that. And it's actually really difficult to get info because they're not heavily covered like a lot of other teams. You can yeah. find about Brian Johnson and his play calling if you just search Brian Johnson because everybody's talking about it right in Philadelphia but like they use motion a lot so they were eighth in the NFL in motion guess what the Eagles were 30 30 seconds seconds. yeah right so and and you know that from watching them so I just think like an an actual modern offense that makes sense Jalen Hurts needs to be rejuvenated you know like of anything from last year and AJ Brown talked about it where he said that we got to trust our coaches I don't think Jalen Hurts and a lot of these guys trusted their coaches. They're late in the season. So to get him back in there and get him confident and get him back to being the Jalen Hurts of 2022, I think Kellen Moore's a good start to it. I, I'm kind of torn on that, John, from this perspective. I and, and I've been talking we started the show talking about it. I'm 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 just amazed um how not everyone, but a lot of fans immediately go to coaching. They rarely talk about the players. I'm on Twitter X during championship weekend, not Eagles related. Everybody's talking about the coaches. They're not talking about, they'll talk about the play in the moment. If so-and-so makes a great play, if the ball goes off, Bill Doors, face mask, they'll talk about it in the moment. Then they're back to the coaches. And I'm like, it's about the players first. And when you talk about Jalen Hurts' struggles against the blitz specifically, um, sight adjustments, that's a narrative we constantly hear. Guess what? That's on the players on the field. If there's an extra guy coming that's not accounted for, guess who has to account for that guy? The quarterback. And they do that with the sight adjustment, which means quarterback receiver recognize it on the same page. How much do we put on Jalen Hurts? Nobody talks about Jalen Hurts. It's Nick. It's Brian. Now it's Kellen Moore's going to be the savior. If he doesn't do his part, Kellen Moore's going to be the next guy out the door as a scapegoat. Yeah, I think Jalen, based on his play in 2022 and what he did in the Super Bowl, almost specifically with me, he earns a great benefit of the doubt that something went extremely wrong And now this is it. Like, this this is one for me. This is the one. It's not even a mulligan because everything you said, John's correct. I mean, he was sensing he was sensing pressure that wasn't there. Bosa talked about it after that San Francisco game. He's looking at the line. He's looking at the pressure. He's sensing pressure that's not there. He's not stepping up in the pocket. Quarterbacks get pressured all the time. You know what they do? They step up. They take a step up. Boom. They deliver the throw. They throw with anticipation. They throw with confidence. Jalen Hurts didn't do any of that. Uh, Jalen Hurts was throwing to open receivers when he saw them. A lot of times he didn't see the open receiver. We've seen all the videos that are out there on social media. So everything that you say is accurate. And it's really what's more concerning about anything. If I felt like that they just had a boneheaded coach or like with, with the Chargers, for instance, Brandon Staley's a bonehead, right? Like he's not a good head coach. So you give, you give Justin Herbert a benefit of the doubt and say, this kid's still extremely talented. He's going to be good. But at some point, it, it becomes about him. And for me, like next year with Brandon Staley, it's going to be a, with Justin Herbert, it's going to be about him. 
It's not going to be about the other people. With Jalen Hurts this year, it's going to be about him. He's going to make the adjustments. He's going to be the one that sees the open receivers. Like quarterbacks, some quarterbacks that get blitzed, it's the last thing you want to do because yeah. they know where they're going to go with the ball. That's not Jalen Hurts right now. So he's got to take that next step. This can't continue to be a college offense where they're using him as a runner for, for a huge part of the offense. He's a quarterback in the NFL. You can't do that. And I think we saw that this year. He's going to get banged up. You can't live and die with that. I think Jalen recognizes that. So it may sound like that I'm putting this all on the coaches and I'm putting a lot of it on the coaches. This is the one year where Jalen gets the benefit of the doubt from me. He's on the clock starting starting in 2024. Here's where, and I've been on this island pretty much by myself. I, I've heard no one else chime in with this uh, take. Uh, and who knows, maybe I'm just woefully wrong. But I'll put some of it on Jalen in this vein. And, oh, by the way, I'm putting it on the coaches too. Week 10 and 11, 11 and 12, whatever it was, was after the Eagle slide he'd begun and the run the damn ball chant had started down at Lincoln Financial <laughs> Field. Brian Johnson, two weeks running, when on Coordinator Tuesday asked about running football, whatever, he went to, you realize that almost every play we go to the line of scrimmage, there's a run and a pass element built into it. And Jalen decides when he goes up there, which is the better alternative against what he's seeing with the defense. They put a lot on Jalen's plate this year. And Jalen made some bad decisions. I think he just misread the defense and or he thought they were going to move and they didn't move. And he ended up uh, deferring to the wrong play. That's on both of them. That's on the coaching staff for giving him that much say. And it's on Jalen for not making that right read. I want to point the finger at both. I don't want to choose between the coaching staff or Jalen. I'm going to point the finger at both for their red defense. Am I being too harsh on either or both of the two parties? No, I, it's, I know a lot of times, especially in this society, it's got to be one or the other. No, this, there's a combination of a lot of different things going on here. You know, I, I I wonder what, what Shane Steichen, what this offense would have looked like this year. If Shane Steichen was the coordinator, what they would have done. Right, because Shane Steichen did such an excellent job in his time here, and then you see him go to Indianapolis first with a very raw rookie in Anthony Richards, very raw. Right, no one expected him to have much of an impact or have a positive impact his rookie season, and then somehow they're winning games with Gardner Minshew. Gardner, baby, yeah. And he was he was awful. He was it was a turnover machine, but Steichen, <laughs> he he just like as a play caller. It's one thing to pick a play and to run a play. It's another thing for a rhyme and a reason to do it and setting up things for later in the game and getting on a roll and, and getting the, the team in the rhythm. I never felt like the entire season that this offense was in rhythm on in any game, in any game, right? So why is that? Is it a, a league adjustment? Yeah, I think there was an adjustment made to the league. But also, I just the Eagles just seemed, just, just seemed ill-equipped to, to adjust to anything that was going on once the season got going. And that's... That's got to be on the coaching staff. But Jalen, listen, some when you're the quarterback and you're making that much money, it, it's got to be on you too. You know, mm-hmm. he's not. This isn't his rookie season, and all the, the the excuses of oh, another offensive coordinator. I was told him and Brian Johnson are best buds. They know each other. They trust each other. Blah 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 blah. And now it's everybody else's fault. So again, for me, he's on the clock in 2024. Gotcha. Well, uh, fault is an interesting word because I think Jeffrey Lurie defaults to blame, assigning blame, scapegoating, whatever adjective you want to use to um, talk about what his reactions are when expectations are not met, John. So when you see 
how he's handled this. Essentially, and we kind of see it with Clint Hurt getting the defensive line job. It's pretty clear um, that they're going to blow out most of the defensive coaching staff. Um, there are going to be significant changes on the offensive coaching staff. We already know Kellen Moore. I assume Doug Nussmeyer is going to be the quarterback coach because he's always the quarterback coach with Kellen Moore. Um, how, how do you how do you judge Jeffrey Lurie in a circumstance like this when you're looking at two and a half years, six sixty seven winning percentage overall, three consecutive playoff berths? but I'm going to blow out your entire coaching staff, essentially. A couple guys will stay. Stoutland, obviously. Kevin right. Petullo. The vast majority. Good, bad, indifferent. Yeah, I mean, I think it was that or, you know, Nick Sirianni keeping his job, and then there had to be wholesale changes. And Sirianni doesn't seem like he really has a whole lot of input or a whole lot of say in what's going on. At least that's what it looks like for me from the outside. I, I feel like that Nick Sirianni kept his job because of the 10 and one start and obviously what he accomplished his first couple of years here. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. Doug Peterson went back to the playoffs and was a drop pass away, perhaps from going to an NFC championship game. Then they lost that third year with, when, when Carson Wentz got injured on the hit by yeah. County. So that's three straight years of going to the, the, to the playoffs and winning a Super Bowl. And then he has the disaster year and he gets blown out at the end of the year. I believe in large part because uh, he just he was cooked, he was burnt out, and when Jeffrey Lurie said, "How are we going to fix this?" He didn't have an adequate answer. Nick Sirianni fought for his job right here. Nick Sirianni didn't want to lose his job. He realizes he loses this job, there's probably not a good chance that he's getting another job somewhere. But regardless, Boy, he, uh, I don't agree with that. No, no, do I? You'll get on a carousel. You'll get another. You, you might have to wait a year because of the timing, but um, who's hiring? Well, that that I'm I'm saying Carolina what, Panthers, they'll hire but, anybody. But you, mm-hmm. you you may you might find it you may find in now if he, he if they turn it around this year and he proves he can be he can be a, a good CEO uh type head coach, then yeah, like all right, fine. But now he he needs to go ahead and do that. I guess my point is that with Nick Sirianni, it, the, the other stuff, right? Like in when they're winning games, the last thing fans want to hear is this coach looks like a jackass. Nick Sirianni looks like a jackass when he's yelling at fans. Well, I agree or, with that. Or, or, yeah. or some of this other stuff. But that's not NFL behavior, right? You think no. Jeffrey Lurie liked that stuff? You think Jeffrey Lurie liked when he's going in the crowd? Like, it's one thing to slap slap fives and have fun with the crowd. It's another thing to be up there yelling and screaming. And then you remember last year after the Colts game, he came into the press conference. It's promising. He was like, that's for Frank. Yeah. He was all fired up about Frank Reich being fired. I mean, it's amateur behavior. He's not acting like a professional. He needs to, he needs to get his act together. If he That's wants to fair. stay in the NFL, but, but to your question about the, about the coaching staff, um, you know, Brian Johnson, I, I, I don't, I don't know how you keep them. They needed to bring somebody else in that I had an actual offense. The, the, the head coach's offense stinks. Um, and then, and then Stoutland's obviously, he's going to be a guy like, like John Harbaugh that stays throughout different regimes. Yeah. Um, so listen, you can bring in Vic Fangio. That is a, a that is a, a the Eagles organization want to play that kind of defense. So they thought they were getting the next best thing to Fangio by bringing in Disciple and Sean Desai. Obviously, that didn't work. They better get some personnel on defense. Yeah, because this is the team where outside of a young offensive, uh, young defensive line, and I actually like the safeties. And it's a shame that Sidney Brown tore his ACL. He looked like he had, he was going to be really good next year. I don't know what you have on defense. They better get some personnel, or this defense is going to stink again next year. 
I agree with Big Ben. I mean, and and some of it is they they partially played into that by the angst behind the scenes. Oh, if only uh, the timing worked out, we could have had Big Banjo. Guess right. what? If Big was here this year with this group and those injuries, it, it would have been good. It might have been a little bit better. Um, certainly when they made the move to Matt Patricia, which was a disaster. But I think you have this thought process that makes here everything's fine. I'm with you, John. You better add some stinking personnel uh, uh, in the back seven specifically, or yeah. it ain't going to be great. Yeah, I, I remember, and it, and it was a Twitter poll, but the, but on, on on the Marks and Reese show, we did a Twitter poll in training camp that said, will Sean Desai be an upgrade over Jonathan Gannon as defensive <laughs> coordinator? And as you would expect, it was like 90%. 98. Like, yeah. <laughs> better defensively, right? And now look at it. Yeah, now yeah. look at it. And I guess my point was, he might be. I don't know that. Sean Desai has limited experience as a defensive coordinator, and he lost his job doing it. So sometimes that can be because the team wasn't very good. So you can't always, you don't always know. Jim Johnson lost, lost jobs before he came to Philadelphia. And then he became one of the best yeah. coordinators in, in the yeah. city's history. But so Vic Fangio coming here. All right, Vic Fangio. It's, so what Vic Fangio? Yeah. He's not, he's not going to blitz. He's not going to make people happy with the schemes that he run. He's going to be better than Sean besides just because he's more experienced or whatever, but this doesn't solve the Eagles woes on defense. Not at all. Johnny Marks, I need your take on this. Um, we seems like we're all pretty much on the same page of how the meetings went after the season ended. Jeffrey went and did some yacht shopping, but then came back, met with Howie, called Nick into the office. Hey, we, <laughs> got, what the happened here? How do we lose six out of seven? Here's how we look at it. Uh, we need to make changes. Changes could include you, Nick, or we could just change the coaching. Th- uh, round and round and round, and they came out where they came out. And Nick leaves the office, and they have the press conference a couple days later. Does Jeffrey have that kind of a conversation with Howie? Does he wait till after they work out all the coaching stuff and then call Howie in and go, as McMullen, McDonald, and Mark said on Birds 365, we weren't good enough. We didn't have a good enough team. Howie, you made some errors in putting this team together this year. Here's what I need out of you. Does Jeffrey Laurie have the same kind of meeting with Howie Roseman as to what he expects his general manager to do this offseason? I don't think it's it's with the same. I mean, I'm sure he did, but it doesn't take on the same urgency because Howie's not losing his job. For everybody who thinks that Howie has a lifetime contract, I don't believe that, but he's certainly earned some space. He certainly earned uh, at least a couple of years because what Howie's shown he can do is that he can turn things around and he can do it quick. Uh, sometimes he does it with mercenaries on one-year deals. See, I really believe, I really believe at this point, it's the right time to, to not reset. This is the NFL. You don't have rebuilding projects. This isn't baseball or anything like that. But like at some point, you need to move on from the old guys and you need to get younger and you need to at least look to where, like, hey, we can make the playoffs this year, but how do we turn ourselves into a team that can be a Super Bowl contender next year, the following year, the following year? A lot of that's going to determine how good of a quarterback Jalen Hurts ends up being going forward. But I feel like feel like the, the conversation with Jeffrey Lurie and Harry Roseman is, what are we doing? What are we doing with philosophies? Do we really not care about linebackers? Like the, the, yeah. the league evolves, right? Like we need playmakers on defense. How are we going to do this? He, how he's got a difficult, he's got a difficult job ahead of him. And it seems yeah. like when his back against the wall is against the wall and he has to scratch and claw 
He that's where he seems to be at his best. Um, so I mean, Jeffrey Lurie realizes that the end of the season was terrible, but it can't snowball into 2024. Like there's got to be changes and there's got to be things that are done. So I'm sure Howie's feeling a little bit of pressure. I don't feel like his job's in jeopardy though. Um, all right. I'm going to put you on the spot, John. This is my first time asking this question and we're going to talk about it way too much in the upcoming weeks leading up to the NFL draft, but it's senior bowl week. I'm not going to put you on the spot and talk about players, but Eagles are picking 22nd in the draft position. I give you any position. You just mentioned linebackers. We know they're not taking off all linebacker. I don't care how much how he rethinks about it. Um, he might take them in the second round, third round, but not first round. I'm giving you any position with that 22nd pick. What what are you going for first? Um, so I, I, a lot of it's going to determine what they do in the trade market. If you remember how he was sniffing around at the trade deadline from that corner in Chicago that was going to be a free agent. Yeah, he's uh, good. Right. Wow, he's a good player, buddy. Right. And also, and also with Sertan in Denver. There yeah. was, and they tried to trade up and get him in the draft. They yeah. realized they need a young corner. And the Eagles have struggled to draft young corners. They made a good trade with trade with Detroit to get Slay. He helped, he helped fill out that position for a couple of years. It feels like that's going to be over or should be over. I feel like that Howie's going to be very active in the trade market to try to nail a number one corner and then pay him because they just like they did with AJ Brown, they struggle drafting wide receivers. Let's go get one, give up a first round draft pick and then we're going to pay him. And AJ Brown's been great. Uh, but to me, the biggest need is corner is, is the corner. They need to reshape. They need a young corner. They need to start over. Bradbury was a disaster. Slay looks like that it's trending in that direction. Although I still think he can, he can be a player. Um, so I would I would go corner like you said it linebackers not going to happen and, and running back Josh, not going to happen uh, running back's not going to happen and, and I, I mean the offensive line you know they love the draft offensive line oh, be careful yeah be careful there if yeah. Jason Kelsey retires if you two guys are right and I'm wrong and Jason Kelsey's not here with the 20 second pick yeah you got to start thinking about the future take right guard fill in the blank. Yeah, and mm -hmm. here's the other thing. They they have that extra second round, they have that second round draft pick, the same second round draft pick from the trade that they made draft day or, or not before the draft uh, a couple of years ago. So they do have ammunition to try to move up. Yeah. So if they, if they like if they like a corner or as Jody said, they like an offensive lineman. I've I've been looking at some of the mock drafts and there's offensive linemen that should be or could be available right there. Oh, yeah. could, so I, like, I, by I the way, I'm, as the uh, John has every mock draft you've seen had Jeremiah Trotter Jr. coming to Philadelphia. At some but point, it seems like he's slipping to the second round. Of the yeah, well, round. it's going to get him. It's going to be second round, which is right. their modus operandi. That's a good yeah. thing. I, yeah. I will give Jack Fritz of WIP the the credit for it. Trots or not will be the next uh, the next thing that uh, that people will be saying. Trot or not, they're not yeah. going to take him. Ed, they're not going to take him in no. the first round. No, but not in the first. Second round. round, they need listen. They they need playmakers on defense. I'm tired of saying it. They need playmakers on defense. When you when you watch the other teams. In the NFL, that are have good defense, San Francisco, the Ravens. You see the speed. I mean, watching Kyle Hamilton the other night oh, on the Ravens, God, he, he looks like he runs a four two, and he's as big <clears> as a linebacker. Yeah, you need you need a. I, I like, and I, by I like the way, you saw that last year. One of the big differences between the Eagles of of twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three was CJ CJ Gardner Johnson making plays uh, yep. on the back uh, in the in the defensive backfield when healthy. Uh, obviously got hurt, but when you have that home run hitter is going to make plays, it just 
It's a big difference. Yeah, it's a huge difference. Huge difference. I'm only saying it's half in jest with the 22nd pick in the draft. The Philadelphia Eagles select Zach Zinter, guard from the University of Michigan. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, they'll 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 be bringing down the house. If there's if, if there's a right tackle, and I I haven't even started doing my draft research to be honest, but they they have to start thinking about the future with Lane as well. So they'll. they'll yeah, think, but don't you think Steen? You don't th- don't you think that's his most natural position? I do, but they think he's going to be a guard. So I believe them. They want to move him to guard. Uh, he looked better at tackle to me than mm, guard, but they, 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 when, when, uh, uh, Jurgens was out, they plugged him in, they took him out, they went back to Suo Peta. They're not as married to him as guard as you're making out here, Johnny Mack. Yeah, yeah, they are because you know how this works, Jody. He's got uh, small arms, he's got the length of the young, you can't play tackle unless you reach that uh, 34 inch arm. Type yeah, thing. yeah, I, I think they'll move past that, but that's just me. By the way, hand size season. You see, Michael Penix has big hands, guys, at the senior bowl. That, Good. Yeah, that excites you. Yeah, he stinks. Good to Michael Penix. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go there, but uh, hi, Johnny Mac. I asked this of Marcus Hayes. I'm going to ask it of you. Last question Who are you rooting for next Sunday, Chiefs or 49ers? Uh, the Chiefs for sure. I, I can't, I can't stomach the 49ers. Uh, yeah, at John Marks Media. Make sure you follow John on X and Twitter. Um, I, all right, Andy Reid, because I saw this. Our buddy John Stolness, by the way, went down this route. John's going to be on the show later this week, so we'll ask him. But I'll ask you. You got this narrative because Andy has Andy's Andy. Should the Eagles have weathered the storm and kept them? Yeah, we did this. Uh... Like five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, two years ago. Every year for the last five yeah. years. Exactly right, John. Not on this show. So and here's the doing it on this Cody, show. I don't do talk radio right now, so I don't have to answer the question. No, of course <laughs> not. I don't believe that I don't believe with the organization, the structure of the organization, change change is good sometimes, right? Like I believe change sometimes. is healthy. And Andy Reid needed a change. Shelf life, yeah. Shelf and he life. also and and without Pat Mahomes, how many Super Bowls is is Andy Reid? winning right like maybe he wins one but i think people forget how many how many personal issues andy was having at the time as well with with family issues and things like that i, yeah, I think it was people completely forget that part of it so the shelf life was over uh sometimes you need a fresh start and uh yeah i agree no shelf life is a thing in the nfl and our shelf life is coming up in just a couple of minutes here on Birds 365. But we appreciate the fact that John Marks jumped in. You look good, bud. You're not quite as white as me, but I'm seeing a little gray in that beard. You're looking very yeah. distinguished. Yeah, and- I have to keep I have to keep it. I mean, you guys are like the, the white goatee show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Someday you'll catch up with us, Marks. Uh JM, good to catch up with you today. I appreciate it greatly. We'll get you back on in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. That is John Thanks, Marks John. with us on Birds uh, 365. I haven't seen Marchie in a while and, and a little more gray. Yeah, he's got a long way to go to catch me, but uh, good good to see long John. Long way Mark. to go to catch me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah you're is. not as you're not as white as me either. You got you got some catching up to do, McMullen. Uh McDonald and McMullen coming back. You know what we're gonna do. Put a bow on this show.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Coming down the home stretch of a Tuesday get-together here on Birds 365. Uh, Mac. Thank Johnny Marks for hopping on. Uh, Johnny's doing a couple of YouTube shows a week, following in our footsteps, like we created YouTube. Uh, McMullen and McDonald. You can get all the info on John's shows on YouTube, on his uh, Twitter account, on his X account. At John, that's J-O-N, Marks Media. At John Marks Media. And you can find out when Johnny Marks is doing a YouTube thing. These days, all right, JM. We got a couple of, and they're not official. The Eagles haven't made an official announcement, but they've been reported by pretty damn good reporters um, that the Eagles have brought in a couple of coaches from Seattle to be uh, under Vic Fangio for the Eagles' uh, season upcoming. Anything more today? Will we get our first Kaitlin, uh Kellen Moore hiring today? Uh, new yeah, member it's possible. I mean, the senior bowl is sort of a convention of coaches. So a lot of people do their business down in, in mobile this time around. So uh, yeah, you see, could see some more trickling um, in the case of uh, Carl Scott, by the way, hired uh, along with Clint hurt a little bit of uh, cause Tom Pelissero said he was going to be the DB's coach and um I think it was Aaron Wilson who said the senior defensive assistant. So that might Is that not good be for DK McDonald. Is that what you're? Well, oh, yeah, to it, it might not be finalized. It might be a more layered approach because out in Seattle, Carl was uh, 
the defensive passing game coordinator as well. So they might go about it that way. They might have a passing game coordinator. They might have a DB's coach. Might be more layered. So we got to see how that shakes out. But, uh, yeah, they got two coaches on defense, and it's going to continue to trickle in. I'm trying to think about who could stay. Um, I was thinking defensively, I think the only guys are, are Jeremiah Washburn still to be. We don't even know. Think about this, Jody. And I know we got to go, but Clint Hurt, at this year under this staff, you had the in, the defensive line coach, Tracy Rocker, was responsible for the interior guys. Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, Milton Williams, Marlon, Tui Palopo, those guys. The edge guy, Jeremiah Washburn, was Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat and Brandon and all those guys. So are they going to set it up the same way? Um, all these questions need to be answered, and they will be in the upcoming weeks. But, uh, you know, don't assume certain things until it's finalized. I Agreed. But that's why people tune in to Birds 365 every day to find out what the hell you found out, McMullen, and what yeah. the Eagle coaching staff is going to look like. So have some answers for us tomorrow. Yeah. Well, they might hire some more people. and uh, But, you know, most most guys are leaving. So unfortunate parts of uh, the process. If they do make some more announcements and or any more good, juicy rumors, it'd be nice to see an offensive guy since we got two defensive guys yesterday. Uh, maybe Doug Nussmeyer. Keep that name in the back of your head. That's <laughs> going to be the most important hire because that's the guy that's going to work with. And they might go in a different direction, but he was the quarterback coach in Dallas with Kellen Moore. He was the quarterback coach. He went to the Chargers with him. I don't know. Do the math. Yeah, probably uh, if you're just following history, he should be the guy next quarterback coach here in town. But again, uh, let me refer as I did yesterday to John McMullen raving. And I know you're just uh, telling what the coach is telling you. Alex Tanny, unbelievable. Got the relationship with the player just off the field, showing great growth. Could be a coordinator someday, could be a head coach someday. One day, see ya! Yeah, they 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 do swing that pendulum swings when it oh, swings, yeah. swings fast. Uh, that guy, I remember you're coming out. I, I don't know why that hung with me, but um, it must have been the day that Sirianni talked about it. You said, "Man, they love Alex Tanny." Well, they're blown away by Alex Tanny. Well, Nick Sirianni, let me let me let me. Nick Sirianni loved Alex Tanny. Obviously, uh, Jeffrey uh, Marcus and I. Yeah, we got some different. I mean, how he finds the uh, candidates and. Uh, then Nick interviews him. That's how it went before. We're, we're, we're in uncharted territory now. Right. Um, but that's how it happened before. When Nick didn't have a guy, how we would collect candidates, not that they're Howie guys, he would collect candidates from his Rolodex and say, all right, interview this guy, interview this guy, interview this guy. One of the quarterback coaches I mentioned was James Urban in Baltimore. Uh, and they went with Brian Johnson. Um, but that's the way it's gone in the past. But we're in uncharted territory now. But when you lose six out of seven, the, the balance of power does swing a little bit. And it sounds like how he's doing more than just finding that for his coaching staff. They hired their two coordinators. I think they were more how he hires than Nick hires. And they're giving a lot of latitude to the two veteran guys that they brought in. Maybe we'll have more names to talk to you tomorrow. Johnny Mac, I'm back here tomorrow. How about you? 
Yeah, let's do it. Wednesday, hump day. Okay, yeah, means uh, Mike Gill, what T-shirt he'll be wearing, so you don't want to miss that. I get Mac and Mac back here tomorrow with Birds 365 in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.